first thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts. Does the car need gas? Hopefully those leftovers are still good. Why did I get CC'd on the <laughs> No. You can't escape the to-do list, but you can make the most of your me time with a relaxing shower using Method Hair Care products. Try Pure Peace Volumizing, Simply Nourish Moisturizing, or Daily Zen Shampoo and Conditioner for daily use. All formulated with long-lasting fragrances and are safe for color-treated hair. Reconnect with the best version of yourself. Visit methodproducts.com to unleash your inner shower. Hi, everyone. This is Pivot from New York Magazine and the Vox Media Podcast Network. I'm Kara Swisher. And I'm Scott Galloway, and I so have my number three, Kara. What? What's your, what are the you talking future about? Future X, Mrs. Galloway. Who? Hands Go. down. First off, it's probably going to be George Hahn. I think. Okay, he's all right. Sexy I see that. Funny. Okay. One small problem. One small yeah. problem there, but we'll overlook that. Okay. All right. Uh, Jane Fonda. Oh, I'm yeah, so marrying Jane good. Fonda. Yeah, there were so many hot ladies on we're, the Golden Globes, wasn't it? They we were all both showing. are super into working out. We both mm-hmm. are under the impression because we're reasonably good at one thing that we uh, gives us license to talk about politics. You know what? No, I'm going to push back on that. She has every reason to talk about politics, but move along. We're going to – there's nothing wrong with celebrities So do I, I guess, politics. then. I'm just saying we share that. We all share right. that Yes, Duncan, you do. Dunning You're a Kruger. citizen of the United States. You, were, you can well, talk right. about politics. God bless America. <laughs> just saying. Um, and by the way, was that a fuster cluck or what? What? Which the one? The Golden Globes. Was that what it was? No, I thought you meant the Trump speech. <laughs> the Trump speech? I liked the Golden Globes. It was kind of like messy. Oh, I loved it. It, was it wasn't awful. awful. It was kind of a mess. Oh I love the messy. I'm so sick of it. All the Hollywood Forum press, they're not yeah. woke enough. I thought, no. It's all so no, They have zero person of color in their voting. Zero. I don't zero. doubt that they're guilty. I don't zero. doubt they're raging bigots. No. I, I just... No, I just it's no. like I'm just. There were sick some of really. It. Good, it's great to be black. The guy, that guy Sterling Hayden was funny. Oh, it you was funny. you nominated the wrong show. Oh, you didn't nominate enough oh, of this my show. God. No, no, no. I just no. want to see what Brad Pitt you, get fucked up. Were you down at CPAC? Was that what was happening? I want to see Ricky Gervais. Yeah. Say it's been a tough year for mm-hmm. Mel Gibson. Mm-hmm. We've been really hard on him. Not yeah. as it's been, not as hard as it's been for the Jews. I like that. I like when he oh, said that. Or when he introduced, <laughs> or when he introduced Tom Hanks and Tim Allen and said, "One is an, a three-time Academy Award winner, a respected citizen and thought leader. The other is Tim Allen." <laughs> I just, I miss that shit. I don't want all these faux apology. I just enough. No, no, no. No, you're wrong. Catherine, you know, O'Hara was amazing. The Jamie Lee Curtis looked like banging. Chad Bozeman's wife was very Chad Bozeman's wife was wonderful. Jodie Foster making out with her girl, her wife was. I didn't see that. That woman has been so like like tamped down, and there she was with her dog and her hot girlfriend, and it was wife, excuse me, not girlfriend. I liked it. I'm sorry. I think you're expecting too much. They did a nice. What it was a mess. I like a hot mess. mess. It was well compared to the Trump situation. That speech was insane. It was like all his greatest hits. Someone I thought has said the best thing. It was like they keep putting Trump in the mic. He's like old fish. They keep putting reheating in the microwave. <laughs> you know what it is for me? It's that like, speech was terrible. He was like on windmills. Like, there it's was like, like watching like the adult trans. video awards. Yeah. It's, you think it's going to be interesting and then it's just kind of weird and uncomfortable and you turn it off? Which one? Uh, the adult video awards they have in Vegas. Oh, every which year. one, Trump or the the Golden Trump the Globes. CPAC thing? Oh, the CPAC thing. That was just thing, weird. Yeah. Kimberly Gafford. That's just weird. They're weird. The whole I mean, thing. 
I'd so, rather not that. It's not even that interesting. And it seems so low budget. And where yeah. are they doing it? At the Mandarin Oriental Dim Sum? No, they I did mean, it at Hyatt. They... It was very controversial. <sighs> oh, I, I went on my way to the airport yesterday. Yeah. Um, I went by the Hilton, and yeah. or we drove by the Hilton, and there were all these flags and people marching around, and yeah. they decided to do an impromptu Trump support rally in front of the Hilton Why? in Palm Beach. And I'm like, Jesus Why? Christ, talk about, like, that's what you do on a Sunday? I'm like, mm. okay. Was it a lot of it. them? And you know what like I did? Sad. I'm so cultured. I went to the Dolly Museum in St. Petersburg. You did? St. Petersburg is wonderful. It's, it's wonderful. lovely. Yeah, St. Petersburg's great. And I saw a Van Gogh exhibit. Very nice. I, I dream of painting, Kara, and then I paint mm-hmm. my dreams. Oh Van Gogh! Oh Boom! How was Francisco Boom. Suarez, speaking of which? How was Francisco Suarez? Mer Suarez? Yeah. Uh, he is, I think he's very good. And I. he's, a. Uh, what can I say about him? He's smart. He's taking mm-hmm. advantage of the tide turning and washing over Miami with a bunch of tech people. <laughs> yeah. Some of the weirdest tech people. But anyways... Okay. That's another talk show. He's very good. I think he's a comer. I think he could be. What? Well, yeah, he's, he's, he's sort of. He's right on the edge. He's not Trumpy, but he's not never Trumpy. Like, yeah, but mayors have to get shit done. Cr- mayors typically yeah. have to balance yeah. their budget. They don't have the luxury of being raging he, bigots his, or woke yeah. weirdos. They mm-hmm. they they have to oh actually God, get shit done. You're always woke over like Nazis. You always are like so mad at the woke people. Well, I'm mad at extremists on both sides. Well, I don't think Nazis. I think Nazis get to stack rank on top of this one. What did people I say that Nazis? are just mad. You said the word N word. I didn't say the word. Nazi. No, but you like when people, extreme sticking, right people who are attacking Nazi the Capitol. All right, here's, no, that's what Sasha Baron Cohen was talking about. In any case, what's going to be interesting, though, is a lot of stuff from Amazon. Let's get to where we are. Amazon, Netflix, and others are really dominating. It's really interesting, you know, mm-hmm. which, which is going to, has happened going into the Oscars, same thing. Um, mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting to see how the sort of the empire, the old empire strikes back. But there's now no such thing, I think, correct? I just turned it off as soon as the, the wonderful young woman from um, the Queen's Gambit won. Yes, with the that eyes on the side of her head. Yeah, she's quite beautiful. She's a beautiful Yeah, and woman. I also liked, I liked the she fashion choices then. of Jared Leto. I thought a bee was going to come flying <laughs> out of that flower. I'm like, that guy's a baller. Like, I wish I had the confidence to wear that yeah. shit. Yeah, yeah. Sean, Sean Penn's hair got a lot of attention on Twitter for some reason. It's just messy. It's just messy. Yeah. Some of the people looked fantastic. So I, I like just his, like I like his ex, Robin. She's my number oh, four. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm going like, to get her on it. She's in a new movie. I'm trying to get her on the on way. No, oh, here no. we go. Here we go. Anyways. <laughs> it's called Land, I think. It's, she did it herself. It's, she's a Apparently. woman who goes out in the wilderness and just is, is sick of everything and hunts a lot, I think. I don't know. I got to hmm. watch it. I can see why that would appeal to you. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> That I sounds know. right <laughs> up to Swisher Alley. <laughs> it would. I would like that some days. Amanda yeah. was like, wouldn't you, you have, I have this feeling you'd like to be all by yourself in Hawaii. And I was like, what? Well, no. really? <laughs> Is that what you want? I'm going on a silent retreat. I'm going Are on you? a two-week silent retreat. What? Yeah. Where? I don't no, you're care. Not. I just want to be alone. You're not. For two, yeah, There's, I am. You're not going on a silent anything. There's no way. Yeah. Really? Yeah. No, a I'm monk like, place? I'm, like a monk? This, if you knew me better, you'd recognize that I'm paid to be an extrovert, but I'm actually an introvert. And my favorite yes. thing is just to be at home and listen to my kids and not say anything. Oh, interesting. So this I is like why silence, I get I like this enormous silent. amount of information all the time. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, let me get you to speak right now. The Facebook okay. Oversight Board is taking okay. action on 11 of 17. Facebook said uh, it's taking action on only 11 of 17 recommendations. <laughs> so they don't have to listen to anything. <laughs> 
So there it's the Kremlin. It. In other yeah. words, <laughs> you're right until we disagree. Right, exactly. It's, cre- it's a Kremlin board. So we're all waiting for the— I, I just uh, think we got to publish the names and the pictures of the people that are that fucking stupid to be a part of that thing, that are that desperate know. for some sort of faux affirmation. And I don't even know who they are. There's a lot of people. There's the that pr- they former to, oh, Okay, I'm going to do that. I'm going to be part of the—I mean, talk about— There's a lot of constitutional law people, just so you know. Hmm. Con yeah, con law. Con law. Yeah. There's a lot of people like that. Well, we'll see what's going to happen. I think the Trump one is the one everyone's going to be focusing on. Um, by the way, speaking of mm-hmm. uh, like interesting s- things that are going on, Jason Del Rey of Rico published a story detailing problems of racism at Amazon. Mm-hmm. His report shows that black employees at Amazon got promoted less frequently than their non-black counterparts. It's 6,000 words. I would recommend you reading it. It's really... Uh, and then Biden, just this week, speaking of Amazon and its workers, uh, backed the union. Back to Amazon. Well, I'm sorry. Black's not promoted as quickly as whites. Was he writing the article about Amazon or America? America. America. Amazon itself. (laughs) Amazon itself. It was was a really good piece, though. It was really well documented. Um, I I think Amazon and its issues around employees are going to be front of center in 2021. They hired so many people. That's actually... I mean, there's a couple things. That's mm-hmm. that's a big story. It's not the most the most underreported story, and uh, and the, I think one of the most reported stories are both involving Amazon and mm-hmm. the attempts by workers in Bessemer, Alabama, to unionize uh, is an important story because big tech constantly wraps itself in this blanket of First Amendment, and part of First Amendment, I, I believe, is the right of assembly and redress, and. The notion that they're trying to suppress that is really ugly, especially when you consider the fact that, and I did a tiny bit of research here, there isn't a single billionaire Mm -hmm. in Alabama, meaning that Mr. Bezos is worth about 200 times more than the wealthiest person in Alabama. And I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure, according to my three-minute analysis on Google, that since March of 2020, Mm -hmm. Jeff Bezos has added to his personal net worth more yep. money than mm-hmm. the net worth of every citizen living in the state of Alabama. Oh, so you know wow. what, boss? Just back wow. the fuck off and let them unionize. Oh no, uh, because it, no, 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 no. Because if they do that, then he's yeah. got he's got million people. He's got he can't let the he can't let one state do it. I'll tell you that. I don't know. Do you really want to be? I, I just like what I, I just think of Bezos, and it's like, who talks to this guy? It's like, how do you want to be remembered, boss? Like, how do you want to be remembered? And mm-hmm. also. You know, the Walton family's gotten a lot of criticism for figuring out a platform, Walmart, mm-hmm. to transfer wealth from 2 million people to the Walton family. Uh, how do you want to—I mean, minimum wage, and this kind of feeds into our other big story, but do you really want to yeah. be the guy that figured out a way to atomize unions and not let your company unionize? Is yeah. that really what you want to be remembered as? I mean, I just don't, well, they I don't understand do. what they makes these guys They don't want to be remembered tick. as that. They don't want, they really are quite anti-union. It's really interesting. It's Google yeah. things. By well, the way, that's, uh, that's what uh, killed uh, HQ2 in New York. Yeah, yeah. Was yeah. they decided to go into the most, Queens, yeah. New York actually has the greatest percentage of union members of any population, mm-hmm. any metro area in America. And they decided to go in and say, yeah, we won't let you unionize. And what do you know? They weren't welcome with open arms. No, well, there's lots of issues there. But by the way, Alabama's richest resident is Jimmy Rain, the founder and CEO of Great Southern Wood Preserving, now worth nine. $900 million. Still not a billionaire. I don't know what great Southern wood preserving is, but there so you have. So just to give you a sense of scale here, yeah. because everyone knows everyone knows the, the rhythms, but they don't know the words or they don't know the scale. I think right. there's probably 30 or 50 people who've worked at Amazon who are billionaires, and you can't find one yeah. person who's a billionaire in Alabama. No, he's not. This is the richest he's person. 900 he's, he's the richest person there. He's close. Whatever he does with great I Southern I got to get to Alabama. Preserving. I want to go to a... 
football game or something there. I'm really? I'm drawn to that state. I think that's where um, Tim Cook likes, that's, he that's, likes that team. Is that where he's from? He went to the school there. He, he talks about Auburn. What's Where's Auburn? Tennessee? Or did he go to Clemson? Did he go no, to Clemson? I think it's Auburn. You're right. I'm I think he went to Auburn. Mistake. Yeah, yeah. He's got that football helmet in the back, which every per- CEO has to make me lo- well, likable. I'm Al- into college sports because it's one of the few things Alabama, that doesn't offend anybody. You can call uh, Roy Moore or someone like that. Alabama. 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 The only oh, that's w- right. time. <laughs> We're a pedophile lost by like seven votes for senator. <laughs> um, <laughs> Alabama. I, you know how I prefer to remember Alabama, and we're going to get all these letters yeah. from Alabama, was um, uh, Sweet Home Alabama with Reese Witherspoon. That's the only Alabama I want to visit, you know? Yeah, I like Reese. I'm gone. Okay, favorite Reese Witherspoon movie? Yours is yeah. Sweet Home Alabama? Well, I like all, a lot of them. I like election. Well, then name your favorite. Uh, probably Sweet Home Alabama. Then I'll put the word Nazi on top of it, because you know me. <laughs> you know me. <laughs> no, that's not what, yeah, okay, go ahead. What is your f- favorite? Election with Matthew election. Broderick. Yes. Genius, She's amazing. genius film. She's amazing in that film. She's, she's really good She's very in good in all the films. She was good in Clueless. She's, she's a producer. Uh, yeah. She's a lot of things. Very she does talented. a lot of stuff. Very talented woman. And also create the big little eyes or whatever. Pretty little, whatever, big little. Anyway, she's very yeah. talented. She does a lot of things. All right. On to, away from Alabama and Reese Witherspoon, um, big stories. President Biden's $1.9 trillion COVID relief plan was passed by the House over the weekend and now heads to the Senate. The bill includes $1,400 in direct payments, funds for vaccine distribution, money for state and local governments, an expanded Mm -hmm. child tax credit, rental assistance, food aid, and more help for small businesses. But uh, it seems likely to be dropped out of the bill. It was a provision because of the parliamentarian that would raise the minimum wage to $15 an hour. Mm -hmm. So here we are. I I did an interesting interview today on Sway, actually, with the head of GoFundMe, and that's what I wanted to talk about that GoFundMe is being used to, as stimulus for a lot of people. That's how they're mm-hmm. getting yeah. together. And I wanted to, to explore that besides the Biden, the ban and stuff and things like that. But what do you think this means? I mean, it's really quite astonishing it's taken this long to pass this bill, uh, the second bill. What do you think it means? Yeah, well, I, I'm, uh, I have real, I basically think the stimulus was, uh, uh, this mo- it, you have to. There's different types of stimulus. I think this stimulus bill is better. The majority of it is uh-huh. going to unemployment insurance, right. and uh, direct aid, and stimulus, and things like vaccinations, and helping schools get open. They child lowered, tax credit. Yeah, they, which is almost like the Marshall Plan for moms. They've they've lowered the income ceiling, so not like the previous stimulus, where four out of five people say they're not going to spend it, meaning they didn't need mm-hmm. it. This is not this is not an attempt, I, I don't think, just to make the rich richer while throwing some loaves of bread and a few circuses at the poor. And if mm-hmm. you think about stimulus, I mean, think about, here's a number, all right? With this package, yeah. we have now spent $6 trillion on stimulus. Mm-hmm. And my question is, okay, well, how would you do it differently? Uh, Jane Fonda, uh, mm-hmm. what I would do, take the, the, the lower median of U.S. households, that's about 60 million, 55, 60 million households in terms mm-hmm. of income. With $6 trillion, you could give them each $100,000. Mm-hmm. What would have happened to our economy? What would have happened to child poverty? What would have happened to central frontline workers' ability to stay out of harm's way? What would have done to moms who need to, to stay at home with their kids? What would have been more effective? $100,000 right. in cash mm-hmm. to the bottom median of U.S. households 
or having uh, or sending a bunch of capital to small businesses so they could pretend uh, to fetishize small business. Here's the problem. You love your word What's fetishize. Go ahead. We hate poor people in this country. A hundred percent. We hate poor <laughs> There's a problem. A hundred percent. We don't want it. We think they're lazy and what are they going to do with the money? And even though you never get asked what you're going to do with the money, that's how the men- the mental state goes with it. With we keep talking about people. a war. There's supposedly a war on poverty. No, there's, mm-hmm. there's a war on poor. There's a war on the poor. Yeah, there always has been. But anyway, minimum wage. Let's talk about minimum wage. And I'm actually going to – I empathize with the Republican argument here. I think there's a decent argument. I I believe minimum wage should be $15 an hour federally. I think it should be $20 in in states like California, Washington, and New Mm -hmm. York where the cost of living is much higher. And if you look at uh, high minimum wage countries, they Mm -hmm. have managed to figure it out. And although the Congressional Budget Office says we're going to lose a million, a million and a half jobs, I purpose – I think that, okay, if Uber can't – if Uber has to lay off a bunch of drivers because they're forced to pay the minimum wage, then that means they need to reconfigure their business and we need to rethink our economy. Sure. Uh, However, however, I think minimum wage is probably an argument that should be had – Distinct of distinct. COVID relief. Yeah. And well, also, they were trying to slip it in here. They were trying to slip Well, that's it, it. And not only that, there's just a federal minimum wage is seven twenty five, and yeah. the, the Democrats are all bent out of shape over it being uh, not 15. Well, for God's sakes, isn't there some compromise there? Couldn't we say 11 or 12 it, federally? I, I'm going to argue against it. Why not just right? go for it? You're in here doing this. Why not just do it finally? Because it's not going to happen. That's my point. Tiny tip. Uh, well, I'm they sick. were close. They were close. They, well, the, okay, Democrats, Democrats have a long history of being right and not effective. And so, yeah, um, they went for the 15. They're not getting it. Couldn't we have settled at 11 or 12? Wouldn't that have been real progress? I'm like guessing a 70% they wouldn't have increase? let that through. I'm guessing that would have not. I, I don't know. I think Republicans would have gone for 11 or 12. Manchin, who's kind of been the swing vote here, says he would do 11 or 12. I think he said he would like to do 12, and then you got your 50 votes or whatever. Yeah. Anyway, it feels like this would have been a great opportunity for something we just, for, for, I'm going to use a strange alien word here, for Mm -hmm. bipartisanship. Yeah. Couldn't we have settled at 11 or 12 bucks? Anyway. Anyway. I bet it. I bet that's going to keep guys coming back as a bill. I think this is something that is is a big deal. I think this is it's a great political thing to do. It's a it's very hard to be against it. You know, like it's to, to, to claim that businesses are going to get hurt is it, at this moment in time is a, actually a very good time to take advantage of people not earning enough or earning very little. Um, but what do you expect is going to what's going to with the money that people are going to get the besides all the different things the the, the uh, child tax credit and food aid and rental assistance which is great. What do you think people are going to do with their stimulus checks? Um uh, savings? There's a lot of savings going on. Okay. So savings typically averages 7% in Q2 mm-hmm. of last year it popped to 34 and Q4 yeah. of this year went to 24 which says to me the stimulus yeah. Is not getting where it needs to go. Um, so we'll see. I don't think, I think this one is better. Um, I think this one is better, but I don't. Uh, but my guess is the market, the market has already responded. The market is up 600 points today because mm-hmm. it loves additional stimulus. And mm-hmm. there's kind of this new monetary theory that says that deficits don't matter and it's points on a scoreboard. All mm-hmm. this really scares me. I, I find that at some point, there's no free lunch. You can't just mm-hmm. keep issuing debt like this. For the first time in our nation's history, our debt is greater than our GDP, yes, and typically Italy and Japan, where that's the case, they enter into a decade of no growth. So yeah. I don't know. I, 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 this, this all kind of scares me. I think that we've attached the, – the way to get legislation through is to attach mm-hmm. a certain feel of macho to it, and they've, right. atta- they've successfully attached macho to the size of these bailout packages. Like, we're not flexing hard enough. We need it to be bigger. 
And it seems even Republicans who used to put, I think, a healthy regulator or a bit of a tap the brakes every once in a while on deficit spending, they seem to have taken their foot off the brakes since Mm -hmm. George Bush, who fell in love with tax cuts and forever wars. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. This all, I I don't know if I'm getting old and anxious or I just Mm -hmm. miss Jane Fonda, but I am starting to get nervous about all of this. You need to find a very wealthy woman to marry, I think. 100%. Yeah. 100%. But I just, it just it's really interesting. It has it skyrocketed to to the, the numbers are huge. The savings rates, which means it says something about people. Like we we don't believe the rainy day is over yet. You know what I mean? But well, we also haven't. I mean, look, America consumer America, spending fell rather. What is consumer spending right now? I'm going to look it up when we speak. Uh, it's. I mean, it, it depends on what you're comparing it, it to. But yeah. America is about. Uh, I think is about opportunity. Uh, I'd like to think it's about generosity, but it's also about accountability and winners and losers. Mm-hmm. And uh, and there is, I don't think anyone should be hungry. No child mm-hmm. should not have access to school. I don't think anyone should ever uh, be homeless or not have housing. But I just think a lot of this money is just taking people and and, and making them, you know, better off. And I don't buy that. I don't, well, I don't buy socialism. I buy capitalism. I think there are winners and losers. And this is, everyone talks as if this is an unparalleled shock. The bottom line is an 11-year bull economy was the most extraordinary thing that's ever happened. And we aren't charging people who, who we aren't increasing taxes on people that increase their wealth by the GDP yeah. of Hungary. Agreed. But here's the thing. Personal income grew 10% in January, the second largest rise on mm-hmm. record, and spending rose 2.4%. So a lot pandemic aid to households is pouring money to the U.S. economy, priming it for rapid growth this year. They're looking at, like, they think everything's going to go gangbusters. Oh, it's going to. This year? That's what, this is a journal story from this week. Oh, yeah. my gosh. Wait till you see yeah. what happens to reservations and travel to Europe if the curve continues to crush. Agreed, agreed. It's going to be crazy. I literally just spent some money. I haven't spent money in forever on something, on a, on a travel thing for Same later more. in the year. Same or big spender. It was weird. I was I'm like, looking for a rich wife. What'd you spend? What'd you spend? <laughs> it's not a lot for me. I'm cheap. Um, I'm, I'm so ready to go semi-pro. I'm Are ready you? to go semi-pro. Well, like, not, in any not case. Not direct money for sex, but, but oblique no large for purchases Scott. for sex. Scott. Semi-pro. No one's going to pay for that, just so you know. That hurts my feelings. No one. That hurts my feelings. In any case, um, one of the things that has to happen, obviously, is uh, is the vaccines. And this money for vaccines is really important, the funds for vaccine distribution. As you know, oh, did I not give you an update? I didn't get a vaccine again because I'm in the Hunger <laughs> Another Games. Another day without a vaccine. What did I do? What did I do? Tell me what I did. What, did you, you gave up? I don't know. No. I called Microsoft. <laughs> right. I scrambled well, the jets at Microsoft. It's lucky you're not leveraging your white privilege and position <laughs> I of power. I am going to do it forever. I don't want to get a special vaccine. I want the I system to I just want to call to Bill Gates. <laughs> I didn't call Bill Gates, but I called pretty Satya, high up at Microsoft. Satya, I need my vaccine. I want an explanation <laughs> as okay. to what happens. I'm helping everybody. I'm going to be doing a column this week on the fact that <laughs> it was a Microsoft system uh-huh. that messed up, and then the mayor blamed Microsoft. But, you know, they, Microsoft is doing D.C. and New Jersey. New Jersey, there's some problems, it's too. Really Microsoft? Sales. Yes, Microsoft is the They've been apparently they're in emergency meetings every day with the government of District. I found out so much stuff. Thank you. Kara Swisher did the reporting, found out Mm. who was the vendor, and Mm. I'm going to like make this thing work for the people of District of Columbia. I think I think we're looking at a Golden Globe Award for the Jungle Cat. (laughs) 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 What would I wear? Best investigative journalism. (laughs) Do you know what? I wanted to find out why it's not working. Like, look at and by the way, Microsoft like has Xbox and puts together, brings markets together almost continually. Why can't they get this system to work? 
part of it is the D.C. government picked the system where it's Hunger Games every time you sign up. And so as more people pile on the system, people who have already been there trying to compete still mm-hmm. have to compete with the new people. You know what I mean? Like instead mm-hmm. of putting you on a list and get you registered and then that's where it goes – and then they walk themselves down the list. You have to like keep re-registering the stupid thing. So I want to understand why they picked the system they did. I'm going. You get deserve to some answers. I want some answers, not just yeah. for me. It's for everybody. It's ridiculous. No, there was no, like you're, you're doing a service for the community. This is insane. What's happening yeah, with this it's, situation? It's anyway, I still do not. Thank have God a we have you. Thank Unlike God we have you. Unlike you, I am not vaccinated and safe, and I am. I am. I have. I have. I want a vaccine, like a lot of people. Yeah. I so agree. there we are. You deserve one. Anyway, speaking of which, we're going to go on a quick break. And when we get back, we'll be joined by White House Senior Advisor to the COVID-19 Response Team, Andy Slavitt. He is not like the previous. There's no Peter Navarro situation. This is an expert of this area. And we'll be talking to him. Moving on, we have a friend of Pivot we have with us, Andy Slavitt. He is the White House Senior Advisor to the COVID-19 Response Team. He joined us for our prediction show in December. Andy, we're so glad to have you here. And he has a podcast with his son. He does, indeed. It's a fantastic. I think I've been on that. We've both been on that show. We've both been on that content. Listen, Andy, first of all, I'm going to speak to you about my vaccine distribution issues. I've been ranting about them in D.C. Let's get to Kara, Andy. No, let's not. But I want to understand where we are. I want you to explain where we are with the covid what does it mean you're a senior advisor to the COVID-19 response team? Uh, so I mean, sort of jack of all trades. Whatever the big problem is, I can jump on. So what are they? What are the big problems right now? Um, more, better, faster vaccines. We need more. We didn't have enough when we came in. Mm-hmm. Better means we need to get them to all the right people, not just out there. People who are struggling the most are getting line jumped. Mm-hmm. And then faster, um, th- we can't possibly do this fast enough. So we've accelerated yeah, I think we've had some success in all three, and I think it's ever be fast enough for the public. But we've gone, you know, we purchased uh, enough vaccines. We put thousands more vaccinators into the field. We we built mass vaccination sites with FEMA, mm-hmm. and we've we've doubled our output since we've been here about six weeks ago. Um, and I suspect over the next few weeks we'll try to double it again. Uh, at some point, we'll run into a very different problem, which we will have vaccinated all of the people who are clamoring for it, and be mm-hmm. onto the people who kind of think they might sort of potentially want it, but aren't really sure. Right. Yeah. And and so we're also beginning work um, to figure that piece out because at the end of the day, you know, we would love to get over the next few months, we'd like to get this program uh, through this program so we can look back on this pandemic and say, wow, wasn't that a bitch, but at least we're moving to so, another stage. So let's let's separate the two things. One is getting to the people who want it and not and getting it to the in the right line configuration without people jumping the line. I, I was I was what I was joking about before was I I'm in DC and was one of the people part of the the, the vaccine hunger games of, D, of the District of Columbia which is being mon, which is being run by Microsoft um, as it turns out. Um, the the sign up system and it's quite uh, problematic. It breaks down almost all the time. I have a long call with them later today about that very topic. Well, excellent. Then tell them Kara Swisher's furious along with all the District Columbia residents. I bet they know. Yeah, I think they do. Um, in any case, they they're, they're every what, what I got from talking to them, and I did talk to them yesterday also, um, was this idea of like different states picking different things, the distribution systems being different. Some pick a, a, a pre-registration route. Some people are like everybody piles in. What do you think the biggest problem with 
distribution is, besides the fact there's not enough vaccines, but there are ways to to create a list that is more organized? Well, so there's 58 states and jurisdictions. Mm-hmm. I can tell you one thing for sure. There are not 58 best ways to distribute this vaccine. Right. And when we got here, I think the prior administration viewed their job as vaccines, not vaccinations. Mm-hmm. So hmm. ship them out of the factory, get them to the states, and their job is pretty much, and that's pretty much their their job. Where, whereas that's an important part of the job, but the last mile, um, as we talked about, into the right community, into communities, getting people signed up, getting people signed up fairly, all that is really, really important and also hard. Um, so when, when we got here, they were already set up fifty seven seed distribution sites. I describe it as like if you if you had a product like like an iPhone. And you're like, okay, well, in Louisiana, they're going to sell it through iPhone stores and through, um, you know, in Texas, they're going to use the internet only. And in another place, they're going to mm-hmm. just use valuated resellers. And by the way, you know, they're not, they're not accountable to telling us how they've done it. And we got here, about 46% of all the vaccines we'd sent out had actually made its way to people's arms. Mm-hmm. It's been 54% were sitting in refrigerators. Uh, and, and with shortages, people do what? They hoard. Mm-hmm. And when people have less information about what's going on, they hoard even more. So what we did, since this was already in process and we couldn't have time to re- tear down and rebuild the whole thing, is we said, look, we're going to promise every state, we're going to give them three weeks of visibility and how much production they're going to get. We're going to um, start these um, direct um, sites. At, at, uh, right, these mega sites. These mega sites, as well as in um, community clinics. And today we're at about 77%, about 77% of the vaccines that have been sent out have been put into people's arms. Now, the variability is, you know, there's probably a low of about 70% to a high mm-hmm. of close to 100%. And and the- Within prior, each state. Within, yeah, state by state. And, you know, each the, the prior administration said that their philosophy was going to be they're going to reward and punish. So if a state was not doing very well in their vaccines, they were going to give them fewer. And if a state were do, was doing better, they were going to give them more. We don't think that makes sense. You can't help where you live and you can't be punished for your governor and your government any more than you're probably already being punished. So we basically said, we're going to come provide technical assistance, do multiple times a week calls, problem solve, operationalize this thing to the, to the last mile. But there's a certain number of decisions that are, that are going to be at the state level. And certain, there's, a, there's, there's very little we can do about that other than come alongside that with our own distribution plans to the retail pharmacies and these FEMA sites. So why don't you just do that? Why don't you just? Well, that would require us taking taking vaccines away mm-hmm. from states that we've already given. We don't want to do that. I right. mean, they are doing uh, they are doing a, a good job and they're doing a better job. Everyone's doing a better job than they were at the beginning. But we are supplementing it with the holes that we think are existing um, in in the in the system. But everybody can handle more vaccines. The, the core problem is still. We need to get them more vaccines. We need to, to increase that. We need to get them more vaccinators. We need more sites. And we need to do this more equitably. So it's a whole basic kind of logistical. logistical. No, it's a logistical yeah. thing, which happens. Everybody gets, you know, their Amazon delivered. They get, you know, Microsoft has has a, a, a hundred million people on its platform, you know, its Xbox platform. They know about market. They know about distributing markets. Let me just ask you one more question. What would have been the best way to do it from your perspective? If you had to, if you go back from ground zero, would it have been a registration system or a federal system or states all sort of hewing? It's because the testing looked like it did the same thing. It was all over the map. Right. 
I think this is probably true of the entire COVID response. Treat the states as important regional partners, not as fiefdoms that get that, that set different rules. And I know that runs into some of the laws and federalism and so forth, but um, I think you really could use the persuasion and bully pulpit and partnership to get most of the states on your page. But yes, I think I think a, I think outbound, a single outbound text to people saying, if you want to sign up for a vaccine, um, you can be in the, we'll, we'll send you a text when you, when you get it. Um, number one, number two, I think is, look, this is about moving earth, right? You said it exactly right, Kara. This is like picking up a shovel and carrying dirt from one side of the yard to the other. Mm-hmm. I think you work really, really, really hard and pretty smart. And then after you get through vaccinating a lot of people, you, you start working smarter and smarter and smarter to find the needles in the haystack, to find the communities mm-hmm. and the people that aren't getting them. So I would have, I think, you know, you could have set up, uh, set, I mean, look, there's no, there's no point looking backwards, but I think setting up the, these mass vaccinations are yeah, very, very successful. Yeah, Everyone tells me those. And we don't have one per- in the district. And 40% of the people who are going are people of color, mm-hmm. which hmm. which yep. is overrepresentative as opposed to uh, prior to that, we were, we were at about half of the representative population. This overrepresents, and we're doing some smart things. We're asking people, hey, why don't you reserve appointments for people who don't have their own transportation? Uber and Lyft uh, agreed last week to donate uh, millions and millions of free rides. Um, we've got church groups that are that are bringing people there. The whole church, bring the whole church. It was interesting. Yeah. I, I would know this because during testing, I I didn't. I, I stood in lots of lines in the District of Columbia, and it was it was they people will stand in lines. It was a mass testing center, and it was great. It it was you waited in line for a little bit, but it wasn't that. It wasn't you got your test. Like, and pretty and quickly. there's some you do it in your car. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And the, so they're they're really. Uh, I think some of this is just like treat it like an emergency. I mean, yeah, that's what I wrote down when, like, when I when I decided to, that I would come in for a few months and help. Uh, I was talking to um, the White House about what they wanted, what they felt like they needed, and 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 I, I wrote down the words on a piece of paper: treat this like the emergency it is, uh, war. because yeah, war. And 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 if you use that to color everything you do, you don't get confused by decisions like should you ask one pharma company to help out another pharma company? You're like, of course you should. And, and of course they will if you ask them the right way. Mm-hmm. And that, that I think is, uh, I mean, this is coming out on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Um, over the course of the day, I think there'll be some good um, uh, announcements out about how we're trying to get everybody to work together differently uh, and break, break a little bit of glass. And, and everybody's more than willing to do it. One thing I discovered is that the last administration missed an opportunity just by not asking people, hey, what can you do to help? Mm-hmm. What skills do you have that you can bring to the table? Because yeah. they didn't want to acknowledge the problem as as, as vocally as, yeah. as 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 they probably should have. So just along those lines, whether it was planting victory gardens or or jumping in their leisure craft to go pick up soldiers off the beach of Dunkirk, in every previous war, and no war or conflict has claimed as many American lives as this one, American citizens were asked to contribute. What and what can a citizen do right now to go on a war footing and help? You know, it's, it's really great, Scott. Is, uh, uh, Andy Bashir, governor of Kentucky, said this thing to me, which stuck in my head. He said, it's easier to ask people to do something than to do nothing. In other words, it's really hard to sit home and feel like a victim. Yeah. But mm-hmm. if you're sewing a mask um, or doing something that, that feels productive, you, you know, you feel a part of it, you feel purposeful. Right. And 
you know, asking. So we asked all of the businesses in the country on Friday if they would give their employees a day off the day or the day after they get vaccinated. Um, and I don't, I can't tell you yet how many are going to say yes. Mm-hmm. But three of the biggest retailers in the country, um, Target, uh, Best Buy, and Dollar General, um, all said yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. Wow. And I, I think, um, you know, asking, just asking people to do something, what, what is your skill set? What is your resource? What is your creativity? What's the community you touch? Who trusts you? Mm-hmm. Um, like, and, and then and then asking them to, to do something and contribute. Most people say yes. And um, so whether it's that or Uber and Lyft donating rides, um, you know, CVS, we asked to reserve appointments for people from the zip code because there were too many people coming over yes. from suburban zip codes. And they agreed. Uh, and they're reserving appointments for people from the zip code, which is duh, right? But you know, you wouldn't know it until it happened. And so the, and they and they said yes. And people, um, if they want to do the right thing, they have to be told to do the right thing to do this. And I think they also have to believe other people are doing the right thing too. Yeah. I think 100%. One of the questions, when you talk about getting more people, it's so funny because right now I'm reading this book from uh, Alvin Roth. Remember him, the Nobel Prize in Economics? It's called Who Gets What and Why? Mm-hmm. It's all about, it's exactly what's that because I'm going to be writing about this vaccine distribution this week. Um, but w- talk about the people who don't want to get it because there's also been a spate of stories. There's one about the military, I think yeah. about half the people in the military a said third. yes. Yeah. A third, yeah. Said no, said no. A third yeah. said no. A third said no. Yeah. Two thirds said yes. Um, you have that. You have a lot of people. My uh, Someone in my family is not, doesn't want to get it now yet. I think they're an idiot, but that's the way it is. Um, and how do you get people? Is there, are there, adver- is it advertising? It's how do you, what is the plans right now? Because that seems to be something we could do yeah. now. Like I always thought the distribution system should have been in place six months ago, but they weren't. Um, how do you get people now? to get to the ones that aren't, because that will get us over right. this hump of opening up. One thing that's happened um, is that every month since January, the percentage of people that say they definitely want the vaccine goes up by about 10%. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the fence sitters, I think, they don't want to be first, and mm-hmm. they're kind of waiting to see what happens. They're not dumb. Um, mm-hmm. They're not, you know, um, backwards. They're, mm-hmm. They have legitimate questions. Mm-hmm. And Legit questions need to be answered, and and probably equally importantly is disinformation and misinformation yeah. need to be shut down, and they need to be answered by people who people trust. So it's not as easy as Dr. Fauci getting on TV and and saying it's like you know I've got a question I'm going to ask my doctor, my pharmacist, can they get a reliable answer that comes from the CDC? But but, but yes, to a- answer your other question, um, it also um, there is a massive opportunity to use the bully pulpit. We're going to be uh, doing a large paid campaign and a large unpaid campaign that is really about um, the distribute the the you know getting people um, the messages that work and that we've done a lot of research on that show they work and then a lot of stakeholder engagement black community um, rural white community young people those are the three groups that have the most hmm. reluctance okay mm-hmm. so then go ask your question about the military who's in the military people of color white rural people and young people hmm. so in some ways it's like a it's like a clinical trial. I shouldn't say that because that'll make people squeamish because they'll misinterpret what I mean. But in some ways, it's like using, you know, the, the, what happens in the military is a really good microcosm on the kind of reluctant populations. And I really mm-hmm. believe that most of them um, th- have um, legitimate questions that that can get answered and will get answered. I do think 
um, this in, there's an insidious amount of disinformation that does go on that we have to ask the, the platforms, the, the social media platforms, to really be vigilant about. And with you guys influence those guys a lot. So it's an important message that they can't um, allow things that are just blatantly untrue to just sit up there on, on the platform. Um, they have to they have to flag those messages and say, hey, this is, you know, this is not true or or this you should check this out because this claim is not backed by evidence because um, that does scare people and it does influence people. What? So t- herd immunity, 70, my understanding is what I've heard for, from Dr. Fauci, somewhere between 70, is it 85%, 85 of the population? I, I think that's the last thing I heard. Of he, he says he uses a range when he talks 70 to 85. 24% of Americans are kids. What is your view on vaccinating children? When, when it would happen? Why would, you know, what, what, what's your view? What's the administration's view? I think the general sense without having the data back it is that it's mm-hmm. very safe for kids. Um, now, the, the, the crazy thing about a clinical trial with kids is you don't actually have enough incidents to have a reliable clinical trial. Mm-hmm. So they're running a trial now and um, they're, they're dropping it down um, by age group. And Johnson & Johnson's starting a trial now going all the way down to infants. But um, you have to have enough of an AB group where you have right. hundreds yeah, of, control group. Yeah, vac- yeah, effects of, of infections. And, um, and that's actually harder than it seems. So my, my guess is that like older kids, like before the fall, mm-hmm. they'll probably have, have it done is what I hear. I, I get this secondhand from, from, from Tony. And then, mm-hmm. um, you know, younger kids probably soon after that. I hope, I would hope that by the time we get to vaccinating kids, there's such a low incidence mm-hmm. uh, of, in prevalence um, and I say this as a hope, not a prediction. Uh, that and that if that happens, you know, we'll be in a we'll be in a position where that is a good thing to do, but but it's not going to be the difference maker because we'll already be in good shape. That's my hope. All right. What's the biggest step to getting us back open? Is getting everybody vaccinated? What do you feel is, and or is it this COVID relief package that will be part of the stimulus well, package? Well, it's an orchestra. I mean, it's one of the things that like I found frustrating over about the last year was everybody has a part to play. Congress, if Congress doesn't support bar and restaurant owners, then governors have to keep them open um, or lose the entire economy and lose all these small mm-hmm. businesses. So the American Rescue Plan is critical. People can't afford to stay home from work and therefore mm-hmm. not infect everybody unless the American Rescue Plan um, is there. So without, without that, it, it's harder. Um, the vaccines and the vaccine rollout that we ha- we have we have enough vaccines. We've purchased enough vaccines now. They're getting made. They're getting made more quickly. Um, we've got to get them out to a, a certain percentage of the population. There is money in the in the American Rescue Plan for states to to improve right. their distribution and increase their distribution. So that's great. Um, we have to monitor these variances. Um, and we have to have really good surveillance into these variances. There's also money in the American Rescue Plan for that, but we have also seen a 20-fold step up in, in genetic sequencing around the variances. Um, they're in there. Interestingly, I saw an analysis this morning, though, that showed that the impact of the variances, as negative as it could be, is actually smaller than would be if states basically removed all of their um, all of their um, protections on social distancing and masking, et cetera. There's actually a bigger impact 
if you can keep states to hold that on Mm -hmm. than there is from the variances. So if we can do both of those things and vaccinate people quickly, we've got a good road. I would tell you that this virus has been nothing but full of surprises over the last year. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I, I don't think the virus is done surprising us. We'll have some more curveballs before we're through, but 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 I I really believe we're making progress and we're going to get there. So we we always, I mean, a wonderful thing is, or a hopeful thing is, uh, uh, w- these things do end, right? Not that we shouldn't remain vigilant, but they do end. The terrible thing is they always happen. And assuming that we are going to have another pandemic at some point, how do you think? It, it feels like we just didn't didn't make the forward leaning investments to be prepared for this. And given having seen the devastation, uh, believing that Americans want to be smarter about this and make some investments, where would you make those investments such that the next time this happens, we're in a position to 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 meet the challenge? Yeah, you're right, Scott. This is like kind of like our starter bug, um, and you know we're we're going to um, either get serious like we did about homeland security, and I'm not arguing that every step we took after nine eleven was the right one, the smart one, but but the country got serious because it felt threatened. You know, interestingly, you know, I've talked to a lot of 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 people who were around in the 80s and 70s, 80s, 90s during HIV, and um, the country did not take that seriously, as we all know. Mm-hmm. And um, because other people, some people felt safe and some people were dying. And the people who felt safe did not, let this change the way we do business. Mm-hmm. And I feel sadder about that today than I did even back then. I was only 14 in, in 1980, but, um, but I, I, I now see the horror of us having ignored that lesson. And I, what, I, what I don't know about COVID-19 is, will we come out of it? And will a large portion of people feel the same way? Will they feel like, well, this hit a lot of people of color, it hit a lot of low-income people, it hit, you know, it's largely an occupational disease. It hits people who have to work with the public. Mm-hmm. Will the the people who make decisions that have money are not in those occupations? How will they react? Will they say, mm-hmm. I'm just so glad this is over, but I never really felt the threat. Therefore, not a lot of lessons to learn. And I don't doubt that we'll learn the basic lessons, like we'll buy enough masks next mm-hmm. time. You know, we'll, we'll do some of the basic things. But will we really learn... The no. lesson and make the investments. Because we don't think that wealthy people suffered at all. I mean, they suffered, of course, people lost people. But in general, they've made more money. They've been able to stay home. They've been able to cope. It's been an inconvenience for a lot of people when it's been certain death for others. And did, I you think see Los, did you see Los Angeles, um, the town-by-town the, the town look at Southern California? No. And uh, during this massive wave, this massive spike mm-hmm. in cases, um, Malibu, pretty much untouched. Yeah. West Hollywood, pretty much untouched. Well, look at Salinas County, Carmel. They can't find an infection. Then you go in, in inland to Salinas and it's it's raging. Right. You get the lettuce pickers in Salinas. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And and so, um, you know, uh, it's this whole thing where it's like people who say, well, I really barely know anybody who had COVID-19. And I'm like, yeah, but the people who pick your food and oh, drive yeah. it to the station and, and, and hand it to you, and they go, those are the people that are getting sick and dying. And you may not know their first names, um, but but they're part of your life, and um, how we lo- we we just lost a little bit of that connection. I know this is social commentary; it's not what I'm paid for. Uh, I'm not paid anything, but if I were paid, I would not be paid for my social commentary. Um, back in my podcast, <laughs> but, but I just want to stop you there. I think that's the moment. The moment we moment. we move out of triage here, 
and and take the aperture back, it immediately is going to get to pretty big meta issues about industrial food production. When we cram all these animals together for scale and for profit, we are playing with fire. Income inequality. I mean, these these are the issues, uh, my sense is, that are the pillars of a pandemic that rages. Uh, how, how do you begin to incorporate or have those conversations well, for, uh, you know, to think us, about the next one? And I suspect the three of us are in this category. You can't unsee it that way because mm-hmm. it just looks that way. But I wonder for people who don't see the world through that lens naturally, whether or not the pandemic taught them to look at it that way, or whether or not it taught them the opposite lesson. Boy, we need to close the borders. Boy, we need protectionism. Right. Boy, we need mm-hmm. to have gated communities it's and China. protect ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I just, I don't know if 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 people's worldview, I hope people's worldview got altered because it's so hard for all, including me. I, I'm not saying that I, I, I value things totally differently today. Mm-hmm. Like I used to get pissed off if I had to go to the grocery store and they didn't have the brand of toothpaste that I use. And I'd be like, how could they, they have these 10 brands, how could they not have the 11th one that is the unusual one that I use for my gums? Now I'm like, you know, then we went through here, we're like, wow, there's no toothpaste in the store. Mm-hmm. And and this country had never been, believe people this this mm-hmm. our age, never been through anything like that. And I, I, there's so many, I value my friends differently. I value so many things differently. It's that, you know, coming out of this, I hope we capture some of that. What we do with it, how we take that conversation and meld it into like policy changes. Um, um, I think that's the easier part. Um, but is this really in our consciousness is the harder part, is well, my fear. That's a, that's a deep question. That doesn't even bring in the misinformation and disinformation too. That, 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 that the mask denial, the, the calling it the flu, you know, everything that went into that which I think slowed us all down rather significantly and led to many more deaths. One of the things I, two more quick quick questions. When you look at other countries like that did well, now not every country did well, including other democracies. um, What do you, what country do you look at and you go, they did it right, or they did it as close to right as possible. Um, And then going into next year, we are going to have to have booster shots of these things. This will be an annual occurrence in terms of not just the flu shot, but these COVID shots and things like that. Is that correct? Yeah. So I did an amateurish analysis Mm -hmm. that, um, that basically showed me that countries that had two characteristics Mm -hmm. did better. The first is very simply experiences with pandemics. Um, African countries actually did did much better um, than than you might think. Uh, the second um, is how egalitarian or how much of a collective, and this is a hard thing to measure, but if you look at just income inequality graphs between the top and bottom quartiles or deciles, um, it gives you a pretty good picture between those two things. Are you willing to do something for other people in this country that or, or do you feel like your own best interest is the, is what you've got to watch out for? You know, you look at Brazil, Russia, the U.S., India, make big differences in, in, in inequality, lots of people at the lower stratosphere, uh, lots of deaths. Um, and you look at countries uh, that are egalitarian and um, that have some experience in the Asian countries, they were, I mean, Hong Kong borders China, right? I mean, Hong Kong is now technically part of China. Um, they had, um, you know, they, they've had very, very few deaths. So 
Uh, there, there are a lot of things at play, and I'm, I'm constantly reminded that we we all force fit our favorite explanations mm-hmm. um, too often into the data we see. And so it's very easy to mislead yourself by just confirming the way you want it to look. But for me, I look at those types of countries and they they did well. Now, competence and leadership doesn't hurt either. Um, and I'd like to think that that's where we're going to gain on it in the vaccine rollout. Scott, last question. What would you like to see if you were to say, well, let's stand on an optimistic note. And obviously, my sense is, uh, and I'm a glass half empty kind of guy, Andy, and uh, my sense is we're crushing the curve. And I don't want to use that as, a, as any excuse to not not to be uh, relaxed, but as motivation to put a to put a, a stake in the heart of this thing. But my sense is we are crushing the curve. What is your respond to that? What's your sense right now? Um, so can't predict the future at all, but it wouldn't be hard to imagine a bumpy spring. Mm-hmm. a kind of um, smooth, much better summer. Mm-hmm. And then a question mark about the fall and winter. I think this goes to Kara's question about boosters is, you know, what do you have in terms of what pops up again mm-hmm. in the you fall? You mean in terms of a variant? What is your doom? What are you scared of? What keeps you up at night? Well, these variants that evade um, our antibodies and mm-hmm. vaccines are a curveball that I don't care what people say. People didn't expect. I know like a couple people yeah. who kept warning about them, and I didn't spend a lot of time listening to it. But you know, it tells you that um, a now I'm way over the tips of my skis here. But um, one of the things about this particular pandemic that's different and one of the reasons why things don't weaken is we have these vectors and these vectors are these asymptomatic people kids and otherwise that act kind of like mosquitoes do in other diseases and that actually acts as a buffer to prevent the disease from weakening Mm -hmm. um so what this means is um we will be playing we could be playing an evolutionary game with this now I will, and then a optimistic note as well, Scott, I spent a lot of time talking to the scientists, research scientists, CEOs of the pharmaceutical companies, um, at the, th- the therapeutic companies, and all of them, you know, sci- science will win. I do believe that, mm-hmm. that, that they will be on their game and whatever this throws at us, whether it's, it's an ongoing set of mutants or whether it's... Um, you know, whatever else it is, mm-hmm. um, science will arrest us on. This is not going to get the best of us. Um, so I think, I think it's um, you know, near term. I don't think we're done. I think it. I think we're going to have some more yeah. um, tough. That'll be the meteor times. you're going to deal with next. That's the, the meteor hurtling towards Earth. You know, something like that. The, the meteor hurtling <laughs> no, towards Earth, or <laughs> like. You know, I mean, someone's, someone once, I forget it was, it said it, but I wish I could take credit for it, is like global warming. There's mm-hmm. no mask. Yep. There's no vaccine. No. Like, we have at least half a mask and a vaccine for this. There's other mm-hmm. endemic problems, um, resistance to um, antibiotics, right? right. There's, there, there's, no, there's no natural mask you can just throw on it to fix the problem. And we weren't even willing to wear the masks, a lot of yeah. us. So yeah. Would it be fair to characterize it crudely as a race between 
vaccinations and the variants that that it, it that that vaccinations are i mean it's who's going to win here if if we've is isn't it really uh, isn't it a nightmare scenario that we kind of had meddling vaccination acceptance and distribution and give the variants a chance to evolve into more superbugs so to speak yeah I, I think that's i think that's a fair characterization um you know in general yeah i mean we got to we got to take all of our measures of which vaccines are our more, most powerful one and overwhelm this thing quickly. And we can't mm-hmm. just do it in the U.S. I mean, I, yeah. shame on me. I spent this whole conversation talking about the U.S. Yeah. And, and I'm hired by the U.S. taxpayers. But um, I will tell you that we have an administration that absolutely believes in two things. One is you got to stamp this out everywhere. Yeah. And second, that we rich countries have a moral obligation to the rest of the world. And and so um, we have to finish the job here, and then we have to help the globe to make sure that we finish. We help everybody Amen, else finish the well, job. Well, we will end on that positive note. And by the way, Andy, say hi to Microsoft for me. <laughs> Tell them Kara's coming and she's angry. Um, no, they just texted me. It's funny during this conversation. They just texted me. Um, but I, I wish you great good luck. I, you know, it would be really great for uh, everyone who wants to get a vaccine to be able to. A lot of people are very enthusiastic about getting it. And it's just, it makes them feel, you know, hopeful. And that if, that, it is, sounds silly, but if you feel hopeful and then you get continually frustrated, it gets makes you not trust government. It also makes you not, it makes you want to cheat. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like for a brief second, I was like, I'm changing my birth date because of a glitch in in the system. Cause I knew that's what was happening. They, they hadn't changed the dates. And, and I thought, no, I can't do that. That's a lie. But like it, it causes a discomfort from people who really do care and who've always done the right thing during this whole process. And we should celebrate those people, all those people. Yeah. Anyway. Thank Annie, you. Thank you so much. We really appreciate it. Good luck. Keep working really hard and, and like become exhausted in making Thanks this Thanks for your go citizenship, away. Andy. <laughs> we really appreciate it. Well, that was good, Scott. All yeah, right. One hopeful. more quick break. We'll be back for wins and fails. Okay, Scott, wins and fails. Tell me, what is your uh, wins and fails? Well, you know, my win is Andy Slavitt and people mm-hmm. who decide to take their yep. competence and not go to Silicon Valley or work for a hedge fund and decide that they're going to try and you know, reduce death, disease, and disability among their brothers and sisters. I think mm-hmm. we're blessed to have people who think that way. And uh, I, I, I think those need to be our heroes. Yep. And I don't, I don't care if you have a photo, sh- you know, sharing app <laughs> yeah. or even put a man on Mars. I, I, you know, there are big problems here. And so I, I'm, I'm very, I'm just, in, I'm grateful that guys like that decide to, you know, attack these It does feel nice to have, problems. like, competence. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I just, the, yeah. the fact that people like Peter Navarro and Scott Atlas had their hands on the levers is so frightening to me. That such incredible people that should, uh, you know, they should, I, the things they did, they should be tried and jailed for, some of them. It's sort of, like, amazing how much incompetence. And so, just having competent people and is just a really nice thing. It's a very mm-hmm. nice thing. Agreed. What is your fail? I don't have a fail. I just want to leave it on that note. Oh, I, I thought that was inspiring, nice. and I, I like that, so I'm going to leave it there. I like that. I like that a lot. That's a really nice thing. All right. Yours, then. Kara? Uh, I wins, wins. That this, you, you just, know we do this every week, right? Right. I mean, I don't at some point, you're going to like, we have a pattern <laughs> here. We do this every wins. week. I thought, oh, okay, the Golden Globe speech of Chadwick Boseman's um, widow, wife, his yeah, wife, widow. was so beautiful. It was, it was so nice. beautiful, it was so well done, so much dignity, so much 
love. I thought I really enjoyed that. I really, that was my win. I was just really, and there was a lot, I really liked that. It was a great, and I love Chadwick Boseman, so. I thought of you during the Golden Globes, and you want to know what I thought of Why? you? What? When Amy Poehler said, I just knew I'd end my career walking around the Rainbow Room alone thinking I was talking to Amy. <laughs> And I, that kind of summarizes, we're never in the same room. We're just sort no. of always talking to each other, but we're never really, uh, that's how I'll end my career, just wandering yes. around my house thinking I'm talking to you. I'm speaking to you, Karen. Yes. And I think the fail was, it was, um, the CPAC thing was so embarrassing. It was so sad. Them trying you didn't to like, that's a shocker. You didn't like that? No, but it was just like, we they show, just doubled down so on election fraud. From I know we should have. They doubled down on election fraud. They, this is an opportunity to move surprised? forward. I mean, no, really I guess. Surprised? And then the Nazi rune symbol thing. I don't know if they meant it or not, but boy, what a bunch there was of was a Nazi assholes. symbol? I yeah, the that. stage was a, was a really famous Nazi symbol. The shape of the stage was a really famous. I doubt that. They're not that stupid. I know, but go look at it. Go look at it. Up. It's just weird. Um, no, that's not really what my issue was. Was the was the to- was the election fraud and the idea that the attack on the Capitol was uh, anti-fa, antifa, whatever, uh, really irritating. And it was. But then what I was happy about the win was that it was Trump came out and mouthed off, and then it was over. Like it was, it didn't have, it didn't feel like it gelled in any way. Um, it so, was lame. It was, it was lame. It was, it was I don't know. We'll see how much on top of lame. Fall. The Golden right. Globes were lame, and then the CPAC thing was lame, I thought. I don't think the Golden Globes were lame. I know. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's fine. Whatever. The Golden Globes were in, They had nice clothes, at least, at that, the Golden they Globes. Have, in any nice case, star. we have a lot going on this week. There's a lot coming up with this the, the relief bill. There's going to start to be Oh, by the way, momentum. number two in the poll, in the straw what? poll there? Governor DeSantis. of Florida, Governor DeSantis. <laughs> you know who they think is going to, they, they want to sort of hip check Trump out of the way. They all do. You know, they're all sitting oh, there like, how do. can we, how can we hip check this old dude with the same old, you know, the same old act? He's like an old, like, I wouldn't say the Rolling Stones because they're actually talented, but he sings the same old songs over and over again. Um, uh, was was DeSantis and Chris, Christy Nome from from wherever the fuck she's in Pantana, whatever. That's the one. That's the, that's what they were talking about. Hmm. DeSantis Gnome. Yes. Yeah, I liked her line, which said, I don't know about you, but I think sometimes Dr. Fauci is wrong. And she got a standing ovation. I'm like, oh, yeah, 79-year-old epidemiologist, you know, kind of like rebuffed Ebola, Mm -hmm. Medal of Freedom. Yeah. And you're you're the governor of South Dakota. Okay. Yeah. Also, one in 500 people in South Dakota died of COVID, which makes it the second worst state. Highest mortality. So, Christy. Hush up, Chris. Well done. (laughs) Okay, today's show. Okay, Scott, that's the show. Somehow it's March again. I can't believe it's been a year since we've been together. This is so sad. That's right. That is sad. But we'll be back on Friday for more. We will continue to broadcast from our little studios, and at some point we'll be together again, although we didn't do that many tapings together. But we will. We'll do something in person. We'll something in Miami, perhaps, and hello, and somewhere. hello, Miami, hello. I may come to Florida. Mayor I McDreamy, may, Suarez. I'm thinking of coming to Florida. Can I use your studio if I do? Anytime. I come can't to, tell you. Come to Florida with all the other fucking weirdos. Come will, on down. Will you turn it off? It's are you it's in McKenzie technology, Scott? avoiding taxes, and a total <laughs> basket case weirdo? Come to Florida, the sunshine I may come, state. But seriously, can I use that fancy studio of yours? If okay. I have to do some. What's slides? mine is yours. Kara, you know but that. But will you cut me off if I, like, say, have Mackenzie Scott, for example? 
Uh, again, again. Anyways, <laughs> enough of that. Today's show was produced by Rebecca Sinanis. Ernie Entertod engineered this episode. Thanks also to Hannah Rosen and Drew Bros. Make sure you're subscribed to the show on Apple Podcasts. Or if you're an Android user, check us out on Spotify. If you like the show, please recommend it to a friend. Thanks for listening to Pivot from New York Magazine and Vox Media. We'll be back later this week for another breakdown of all things tech and business. Kara, yes. I dream of painting and then I paint my dreams. Oh, my God. Okay, Van Gogh. <laughs>